Luke chapter 1 verses 46 to 55. This is the song of Mary. Luke chapter 1 verse 46 to 40, uh, 55. Put on your Bibles. You keep it. I will read in verse 46. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of a servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his harm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich empty away. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and to his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. You know, just look into this previous uh, verses, you will find that there is a meeting of Two miracle mothers, Elizabeth and Mary. And this is more than Mary's song. And Mary is stunned, startled by the greeting she receives from Elizabeth. And she realizes what is happening to her. And she begins to sing forth in praises to God. This is more than a mother's private praise. Our words celebrate God's care for the struggling people, especially the poor people who are struggling, and in any society and situation. In this song, she declares the recipients of God's favor and help. She says in verse from 46 again, I read, she talks about that God is mindful of the humble state of his of his servant. 49, she says, God has done great things for me. In verse 50, she says, his mercy extends to those who fear him. God is merciful. In verse 51, she confesses again, he has done mighty deeds with his arm. And in verse 52, she says, he has lifted the humble in this world. And 53 and 54, he has filled the hungry with good things. He has sent the rich empty away. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful. Romans had occupied the land and Jews were waiting for the Messiah. And Elizabeth and Mary speak in a prophetical voice. You know, they are glad that they are able to recognize through the power of the Holy Spirit there is something very special about their children. And uh, in today's Christian world, we are carried away by the message of blessings and prosperity and uh, testimonies of people who have received financial breakthroughs are attracting more people to the church and to the ministries. But here in verse 48, Mary, a poor young girl, she's only about 15 to 16, that's what they say. A poor young girl, she says, Everyone from henceforth, they will call me the blessed. Everyone, they will call me a blessed. But look at the background. Family line of David, 
And David was very prosperous. Solomon was more prosperous. Then slowly the decline started, came down. And now in verse Luke chapter 1 and verse 27, the Bible says, Mary is a descendant of David, but poor, but needy, but humble. Look at it. You know, in the newspaper, God was mindful of this and Jesus, Jesus was born in a poor family, a poor home and God chose to send Jesus in such a home. There are two types of poor people in this world. Sorry, I forgot to note the time when I started. So if I go on and on before Christmas I left. There are two types of poor in this world. One is spiritually poor. The other one, they are financially poor. And those who are Financially poor are oppressed by the rich generally. They are oppressed by rich and not paid sufficiently and even exploited in this world. That was happening in the ancient uh, Near East at that time and especially during the time of Jesus that was happening. The Romans were occupying and even before that when the Israelites were in, uh, in Egypt, this happened. They were exploited. They were, they were treated very badly and Ezekiel preached against the rich and said, why Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed? If you read Ezekiel chapter 16 and verse 49, you can turn your Bibles, please take some time to turn your Bible. Ezekiel 16 and verse 49, he tells why Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed, not only because of their immoral lifestyle, he says, now this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and complacent, they did not help the poor and needy. Now listen, they did not exploit the poor and needy. You understand? The prophet does not say they exploited, they harassed the poor and needy. He just simply said they did not help the poor and needy. They were complacent, they were all for that, everything. But they simply ignored the poor and needy. What a dangerous thing it is sometimes. We when we say rich, only we have plenty of cars or plenty of houses, big bank balance. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about everyone who has received mercy from God is rich in the eyes of God, is rich in the world. And God has been gracious to us, given us everything, and we can reach out to the world. And also, as God remembers the poor, the apostles, early church fathers, they told the other people how they should conduct themselves. And one of the points we, uh, Paul mentions in Galatians 2 and verse was that we should continue to remember the poor. Continue to remember. It's not a one-time remembrance. You remember do something because it's Christmas. But you continue to remember the poor. The very thing I am eager to do all along. And I took this out from the, the extremely poor live without support on the sidelines, watching economic growth and prosperity pass by them. It passes by them. They are shunned by the world's economy. Nobody bothers. The world's economy does not bother. I was reading a book 
I was, uh, it was very painful to read how there are some rich countries, there are countries that have got so many of anchovy fish in their coast. They catch. The poor are suffering. They don't give it to the poor. But instead, they are exporting to other countries so that their beef market will become healthy and flourish. Here, the own country people are dying. That is what the world is today. They are shunned by the world's economy. They live lives abundant in scarcity. They live an abundant life in scarcity. We say we live an abundant life. They live an abundant life. It means a lot of money, but they live in scarcity. That is an abundance in their life. Without enough food, access to clean water, proper sanitation, without access to safe shelter, health care, or education. That's what is happening in the world today. My dear brother, my dear sister, it takes a small effort from the people who know the Lord and also the common people. Recently, I was in a slum uh, for, a, for a work and uh, there I found, you know, the slush. We were not able to go inside, you know, because of the, that path is fully slushy and with this rain, continuous rain, it became really bad. It was working on my mind, what to do, what to do, what to do. And finally, I saw one truck going with all the debris. I stopped that driver. I spoke to him. Can you please drive it and you're going and putting somewhere. Come here and put it. And uh, to another person, we arranged the debris to come over there. To unload it was a problem because others are saying, no, you cannot unload it. Now the driver is hurry to go. But finally, we managed to convince the people. We uh, unloaded the whole debris. And uh, nobody was coming forward to get it. And even the people living there. And finally, one boy, he came forward. He called all our children, you know, who helps us, who comes to our center. And they started to get bags and small, small buckets, pull the, or put all the debris and cover the place. It was so nice. One small, I was thinking, you know, we can, we can do it. It's not that, you know, we need the corporation blue government to do we can do it. A small example that I learned, it was a big lesson for me at that time. All these years, one of years I've been going there, I never thought of it. But suddenly, I attempted, it was possible to do it. What I'm saying is it is possible. You understand, it is possible to help such people. And uh, the World Bank explains hunger like this. I've added some points to that. Well, about the poor or people who live in poverty. They, they are hungry. They lack shelter. Being sick and not being able to see a doctor and no money to buy medicines. Not having access to school and not knowing how to read or write. Not having a job. Fear for the future. Living one day at a time. Losing a child to illness brought about by unclean water and hunger. Powerlessness. Lack of rep representation and freedom. And it is said that nearly 6% of Indian population, they live in extreme poverty. Not poverty, extreme poverty, 6%. And with this pandemic, nearly 9 crore people have gone into more extreme poverty. That's, that goes into not 6%, even more. People are living in poverty, extreme poverty. In economic terms, poor is the person who does not have the purchasing power. Okay, the rich is the one who has got a purchasing power. So if you and I can buy something for our children, buy something for ourselves, what we desire, what we want, to make our life comfortable, let me tell you, we are rich. 
We are rich. We are not poor. We are rich. And God is ministering to all of us. And in the Bible, worship involves care for the poor and needy. You know, I can preach well, I can teach, I can do this, I can do that. And we can worship, but worship involves care for the poor. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 58, verse 6 to 10. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? And when you go further down, he says, uh, it is to share your food with the hungry and to provide poor wanderer with shelter. When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. You know, we choose the method of worship. We have, you know, dress well, come to preach. We have the, uh, you know, the laptop and all the thing, musical instruments. We preach, we worship, very nice. But we choose to lift our hands, good. We choose to kneel down, good. But here, God says, I have chosen how you should worship. Not the way you choose. I have chosen. There's one method, he says. That's, I'm not saying only method. One of the methods, he says, is to care for the poor and needy. That's part of our worship. Caring for the poor and needy is part of our Christian worship. And God remembers the poor as early as in Exodus and in Leviticus 19 verses 9 to 10. He tells us, when you reap, when he tells the people of Israel, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time to pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and foreigner and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. He says, if you are connected to me, if you say you are a pastor, you are a believer, you are a, you are a worshiper, he says, remember to take care of the poor and needy. The Israelites weren't the only people who had to leave the edges of the deities to the poor and needy. Even in the ancient Middle East, others also did it. But for the Israelites, they did it, the other nations did it to give it as an offering to their gods and goddesses. But for the people of Israel, they were doing it so that they can help the poor people and the needy people. And in Leviticus 25, verse 35 to 36, here you know, the Bible says, if any of your fellow Israelites become poor and are unable to support themselves among you, Help them as you would a foreigner and a stranger so they can continue to live among you. Do not take interest or any profit from them, but fear your God so that they may continue to live among you. One of the things that really upsets me is sometimes I do, I forget to do it, then I repent, is we bargain with small vendors on the streets, the pushcart vendors, we bargain. But I firmly decide, no, we should not bargain with them. Even if they charge us 10 rupees, 15 rupees extra, please let them have it. Let them have it. Let's not bargain for that and think that we can become rich. By giving them 10 rupees, 15 rupees extra, we are not going to lose anything. Remember, God is always mindful of the poor. He was born in a poor family. Mary knew some of her rich classmates or friends but she is overwhelmed with joy that God remembered her, though poor. Christmas is to remember the poor, is to give. The next one is, he refreshes the poor, he remembers the poor. 
and he refreshes the poor. Luke chapter 151 to 53. I want to read to you Luke 152. He has brought down rulers from the thrones and lifted up the humble. He has not only been mindful, but he goes another length. That is to lift them up. Lift them up. And God has got the poor in his mind. It doesn't stay there. It fills his heart. And when it fills the heart, his hands reaches out. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And out of the abundance of the heart, I believe the hand does. Hand reaches out. And what we have in our heart, heart our hands will do. And maybe is overwhelmed with joy to think that God has reached out to her and has lifted her up. The first and foremost refreshing that all of us have received is the forgiveness of sins. Every one of us have been poor, wretched, wicked, evil, sinful, going towards the path of destruction. All of us, including me, all of us. None except. But God reached out to this poor sinner and redeemed me. First thing is, we have to remember this. God has refreshed me with salvation. He has reached out to me, a poor sinner, who I was worthy to be thrown away from God, to be shunned by the society, to be beaten, to be, to be, uh, to be killed. But he reached out. And the Bible, he heard that the Bible of the Israelites one day and he came down to deliver. Look at the verbs that I used. They used. And as I was reading this, I was just so happy. Exodus 3, verse 7 to 10. I was just so happy. The Lord said, I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have seen, not that phrase, I have seen the misery. The second thing he says, I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And then he says, I'm concerned about their suffering. I have seen, I have heard, and I'm concerned. This is what God says. And he does not say and stop there. I have seen, I've heard, and concerned. There are many people in the world we have seen, we have heard, and we have also been concerned. And then we stop. But here, what God did, verse 8, he says, So I have come down to rescue them. I have seen, I have heard, and then he says, I am concerned, and then he says, I have come down personally to help these people. Well, it, it doesn't stop there. In verse 10, it's very interesting. He tells Moses, so now, Moses, now you go and do it. You understand? You go and do it. Go now and do what? Go and speak to Pharaoh. That man who is going to be really ruthless, hard after, he's not going to let you go. God knew you very well. But go. Friends, my dear brother, my dear sister, Caring for the poor, helping the poor is difficult, is hard, it is challenging. But praise God, God will come down and God has come down. He will be with us. He will enable us and he will send us with his presence to do what he wants. 
through this liberation of the poor and the oppressed, God was revealing himself to the people and to others. The, the basic principle is so important for you and me. It's not the norm that you and I can't do what Moses did, but the principle you and I have to take. How God was concerned, how God saw, God heard, and then God came down, and then he's commissioning Moses, go and do this, bring the deliverance. Order to challenge all of us this morning as we stand here, and those of you who are listening through Zoom, make, search your own heart, let's search our hearts. Lord, in what way me, a poor, wretched sinner, saved by your grace, I'm reaching out, I'm reaching out to the needy people. And God intervened in the lives of the Israelites, and it was to end their suffering and justice. And God is calling all of us. I'm not saying start an organization, we start a dharma, or go immediately and do it. We'll come to that. And Deuteronomy 26, verses 5 to 8, Moses was telling the people that during the harvest festival, I want you to make this liturgical confession. Deuteronomy 26, verse 5 to 8. Then you shall declare before the Lord your God. My father was a wandering Arabian, and he went down into Egypt with a few people and lived there and became a great nation, powerful and numerous. But the Egyptians mistreated us and made us suffer, subjecting us to harsh labor. Then we cried out to God of our ancestors, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our misery, toil, and oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm, with a great terror and with signs and wonders. Moses wanted the people to always remember their own condition. May we remember how poor and wretched we are without God giving himself for you and me. And may that spur us. And when Jesus was on this earth, at the beginning of his ministry, Luke chapter 4, verse 18 to 19, if you read, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Good news to the poor. Both financially poor and those who are spiritually poor. And Jesus set out uh, to carry out this mission. Jesus never said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because I'm going to do this and then remain. And when the John the Baptist people came to Jesus to find out about his identity. Jesus mentioned in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 5, the blind receive the sight, the lame walk, and those who have, have leprosy, they are cleansed, they are deaf here, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Jesus came with a mission, and he was following that mission. You and I are in the same path, and God is calling us. God identifies with the poor. In Luke chapter 14, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 31, he says, he who oppresses the poor man, insults his maker. He who oppresses the poor man, insults his maker. I oppress the poor man. I, I deal, uh, you know, carelessly with the poor man. I'm insulting God himself. God who created them. Proverbs 19, 17, he said, he who is kind to the poor, lends to the Lord. God said, when you give to the poor, you're giving it to me. I'm taking. You're only. You're not uh, giving it to me uh, for me to take and keep it, but you're lending it to me. And the Bible says that which you give to the Lord, the Lord will give. And when God gives, it's different. And Second Corinthians 
8, 9, he said, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. Is God biased in favor of the poor and against the rich? Is God biased in favor of the poor people and is against the rich? Definitely, the answer is no. Job was abundantly rich. Don't forget that. So riches are not wrong. God has blessed you and me. Let's be happy with that. But let's not remain there. Job was abundantly rich. Abraham was well off. Joseph prospered later in life. Moses lived and trained in a palace. Daniel was the prime minister of a country. There were rich ladies who took care of Jesus and his disciples. Paul and Luke were neither poor nor uneducated. So from these, we understand God is not against the rich people. God is happy with everyone, all those who worship him. God is not partial, but he's a God of justice. He loves the poor, he loves the rich. But he does not want the rich to ignore the poor. That's what he does. You understand? So in that way, when I neglect the poor, God goes on the side of the poor people. So when God goes on the side of the poor people, then I lose God's help and strength. But remember that we can hold money and we can be careless how the people of Sodom is not only mindful of the poor people, but he's also coming out to lift them up. He refreshes them. He reminds, he, he remembers them and then he refreshes them. He wants to help the people. And there are so many ways that we can do this great work. And the third thing that I wanted to mention here, he remembers his promise. Luke chapter 1 verses 54 to 55. He says, he has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. This makes the poor to rejoice. God rejoices with the poor. This makes God, the poor rejoice because God remembers his promise. And also, God rejoices with the poor to help them. And you and I can be part of this great uh, plan of God during this Christmas time, beginning from this Christmas time, not just during this Christmas time. You understand? Beginning from this Christmas time, you and I should begin to pray. Begin to pray. He remembers the poor. Be happy. He refreshes the poor. He remembers his promise. He remembers his promise. There's enough words in the Bible uh, to encourage you and me how God will take care when we do what God wants us to do. And what does God wants us to do? How should we respond? First one, God wants us to imitate him. Imitate him. When we care for the poor and the needy, we imitate God. The very nature of God we reflect in this world. And God is not partial, but also does not remain neutral. Remember that I said, God is not partial. He's, he loves both the rich and the poor, but he does not remain neutral. When the poor are neglected, God is not happy. You understand? God is not happy. That is the time when the balance shifts against us when we don't care for the needy. And Mary said, God is not only mindful of the humble state of the but also lifts the poor from the humble state. And in Luke chapter 6 and verse 36, 
I think it's a true translation. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. NIV says that. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. A New Living Translation, you say you must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. Compassionate. Feel the pain, feel the, the, the loneliness, the neglect. You know how much of affection they throw when you go and reach out to them? When you go and reach out to them, in my home, it's very difficult for me to see the mosquito, you know. And even if there's no mosquito, I don't know how mosquitoes will bite, uh, bite my wife. I don't know from where it comes. So that's a huge struggle I have. So when it bites her and she says, mosquitoes are there, you know, you know, we are one, no? so I can feel the pain. <laughs> now, but when I go into these slums and sit on there, I'll tell you, so many mosquitoes come there and bite us. But those mosquito bites are not painful at all. When I say not painful, it doesn't affect because you see the joy on the faces of those poor people, children. It's so wonderful. So wonderful. I wanted to encourage you. Paul, uh, Bob Pierce, he said, let my heart be moved with the things that move the heart of God. Bob Pierce was the founder of World Mission. He said, let my heart be moved with the things that move the heart of God. Go through the internet and read the stories of these, uh, how these world division and Red Cross and so many things, the Samaritan first came up. Ask God, Lord, what can I, how I can get, I'm not saying start an organization. How can I be, be part of this great work? God is merciful to the poor and needy. And each one of us should align our thoughts and ourselves with this vision. You know, we have a wonderful basket club. We reach out to the poor children, cancer patients in Baptist Hospital. We have a beautiful ministry in Sadar Mangla. We support. And then we have uh, ministry money going to pastors and others who are needy in North India as well as in North Karnataka especially. I wanted to encourage you. You and I can align ourselves with this vision. You know, as we come to this year end, ask God, Lord, how I can do it? How can I be part of this ministry? Second, set apart a percentage you feel in your heart to help the poor and needy on a regular basis. You know, you have to decide, not, I'm not talking about amount. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about amount. I'm talking about a percentage. Because we, when I say we, including Pastor Prem Kumar included, when I get 1,000, it's easy to give 100 rupees. But when I get 1 lakh, difficult to give 10,000. You understand? So don't look at the amount. Keep the percentage. This is the percentage I want to release. I want to give. I want to help. I want to stand. And the Bible tells us in Proverbs 22, 9, this is a scripture that I love so much, which ministered to me very, very late. I read the scripture, preached the scripture, taught the scripture. But lately, the truth came so powerful into my heart. The generous man will bless, will themselves be blessed for they share their food with the poor. For they share their food. Not that I eat, my family eats, then I have leftover, then I eat. And then in another translation, NKJV, it says, he was a generous I will be blessed for he gives off his bread to the poor. 
very powerful. Off his bread to the poor, off my budget, from my important things that I have to do for myself, my family, for my uh, uh, loved ones, I want to give. That's the, I think that's the height to which a committed, born again, disciple, Christian should walk into. May God touch me, may God touch you, and all those who are listening through Zoom, may God touch us to give out of our bread, not an extra, out of our bread, out of what I want to do for myself, I want to give. You know, I'm doing on biblical finance uh, stewardship, uh, my uh, doctoral thesis. You know, it's, I'm not able to complete because there's so much that is there. And reading, 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 it, it only gives me, uh, you know what to say, to learn more. Because so much is there, God has space for us. How we can help out the poor people, needy people. And increase the percentage of your giving. First get aligned and decide to get aligned with the vision of the church, with the basket club, to give. Or if you're going, going to some other church, watching on the Zoom, decide what you wanted to do. And secondly, keep a percentage and increase the percentage with the increase that you receive every year in your life. And third one is, this Christmas, do some sacrifices to care for the poor. I said to give out of our bread to the poor. This Christmas, let's sacrifice to give to the poor. Be mindful and help. We are poor spiritually. Jesus came for you and for me. And the filthy cross, cross is not, you know, it looks very nice, but this cross is not a nice cross initially. It was a filthy cross. Only criminals were there. You know, if you look at history, Prem Kumar should have been there. You understand? But Jesus died. In Tamil, there is a, a song which says, because of Jesus, the cross became a symbol of holiness. Because of Jesus. You know, and um, the filthy cross reveals what God gave to you and me. Now, of course, this is not a filthy cross. This is a cross that resembles the sacrifice of Jesus. There's not, nothing very divine in the cross. Everything is divine in Jesus. But it represents to you and me how filthy I am and how God gave to redeem me. A filthy sin. And that's what Paul said. Thanks be to God for this unspeakable gift. Thanks be to God for this unspeakable gift. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 40. He said, I was hungry. I was thirsty. I was naked. Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. I'm going to play a short video. Now, and I want you to look at this video just about a, a minute and a half, I think, and then we will close in prayer. Can you stop the lights, please? Focus lights. You can read it. This single father and his seven kids. Can you read from here? Yeah. We're looking for Mr. Nelson. Oh. Is that you? So we're actually here on behalf of a secret Santa. Oh. We're, we're, we're a little late. We meant to surprise you in class, but is class over? <laughs> class just got over, yeah. Yeah. Uh, how are you doing? Good. Yeah? Good. Yeah. How's your year been? It's 
been a little busy. Yeah. <laughs> Would you mind sharing? on to redeem me and whatever I give to the poor to reveal your love to imitate you is not a great thing Lord Father you've been a good God you've been a gracious God help us God and I can share testimonies after testimonies how God intervenes to honor us when we honor this world. You can have a fresh experience with God, with God's generosity in your life. I'm not saying give so that you will receive. Don't get me wrong. I don't, I don't propagate that. I don't believe in that. You give because there is a need. You give because there are people out in the world who have no one to care, no one to help, no one to lift them up. We have a beautiful basket club in our church, a ministry called Basket Club. Give a percentage of what you have every month. I'm not asking or provocating for Basket Club. I'm just saying there is a means to which you can bless others. That's what I'm trying to tell you. It's up to you what you decide. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. Lord, I thank you for helping us to start this Christmas season. Lord, to remember that you remember the poor and needy people. You not only remember, Lord, but you also refresh them by lifting them up. And not only that, Lord, you also remember the word to the poor people. The same word is for all of us. Help me, help us, help our families, help our children, our parents, our loved ones to start up our life, to do this, to start doing this from this Christmas season. Lord, we learn from Galatians 2.10 how Paul told that the apostles told him to continue to remember the poor. It was not just one time to continue. I pray that we will all continue this good work which you have called us to do. Into your hands, we commit ourselves. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.